Yeah. Just when you thought it was over. <laughs> just when you thought we were done. Just when you thought it was safe, man. We did it, did it again. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Cranked and Ranked. Um, that was uh, me uh, channeling a little bit of Jaw Rule uh, in my intro. Um, if you didn't listen to the first part, uh, uh, I, I think I said somewhere in the episode, man, I got to go listen to that recorded song that they did with Metallica and Ja Rule, yeah. uh, Swizz <laughs> Beats. Um, and uh, uh, I'm not going to lie, I've listened to that song like 50 times. <laughs> it's yeah. a, it is a clusterfuck, but I love it so. Anyway, um, so yes, uh, no need to uh, to introduce what we're talking about because um, it's right there. You can read it if you know how to read um, uh, Metallica Guess part you two. could say you did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. The juxtaposition because they the, the course of it is that never more. Yeah. You're whipping, more the boy. whipping boy. Yeah, we did it. Like what yeah. did you what did you do? I don't. Uh, we, we did something anyway. But that, that's that's for the last episode because we're not going to be talking about anything anywhere near that collaboration because we are in this second half of the Metallica ranking episodes. Uh, we're talking about the classics. We're talking about the first five Metallica albums because in both of our rankings, those five remained in the lower half. So, um, if you if you want to hear something new, this is probably not the episode because it's literally <laughs> two dudes talking about five albums that many dudes have already talked about. Um, so, uh, I, I, as usual, I am uh, Stephen, aka Oldhead. With me, as always, Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Yo. Coffee drink. Coffee drink. Um, coffee drink. Dead air. See what you got, what you got, whenever, when I say, when I introduce you, you need to come at me with something with a little more meat to it. That way I have, a, I have time to get a really big gulp of the coffee and okay. warms up my throat. I'll come up with a, with a salutations line podcast listener. Yes. Hello there. <laughs> yeah, something very smooth. Um, so yes, uh, Metallica, uh, number five down to number one, because we decided only to do the actual studio albums in this uh, podcast. Um, maybe we'll do one talking about other shit later. I'm sure we will because, you know, yeah, we're we're huge fans. So uh, let's get that out of the way. If you didn't listen to part two, we are both huge Metallica fans. So there's really not going to be any shit talking. Um, but we do critique things, uh, uh, I guess, um, I don't know, appropriately uh, when I think yeah. that they need critiquing. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, this is probably going to be a total love fest. So let's just go ahead and jump into it as usual. Um, uh, I let Eddie go first, uh, with his, with his pick. And so this will be your number five. What's your number five Metallica album? Cool. So my number five Metallica album is Kill 'Em All. Kill 'Em All, the debut. Hell yeah. This, this album for me, the reason it's number five is it doesn't have the maturity and growth that I enjoy from the four that sit above it. However, mm-hmm. 
it's the immaturity of this album that gives it such a young, youthful energy. Yeah. It's like there's this album has a vibe all its own. Like there's just something gritty and completely stripped back about it that just I mean aside from a few bells and whistles this could be like a live performance taken right off of like a soundboard really like just the sheer ferocity of it like I love this album but uh it's it's just the it's the rawest of the albums they did uh-huh. and it's a fun it's definitely a fun listen you absolutely know? like hit hit the lights is the absolute embodiment of early Metallica. You know, The Four Horsemen, though, already shows a serious maturity when it comes to the composition side of things. Like, even on the second track already, like... Yeah, and that's, that's an interesting one because you do have those people that prefer the Megadeth version, which was basically the original version of the song mm. when it was called The Mechanics. And... um that baffles me, honestly. Like, I think that that's a good song, but the Four Horsemen, it's like they took something that was good and made it great. And yeah. um, honestly, I think, I, you know, somebody pointed out that I was a little harsh to Metallica critics um, in the last episode, and that's only because I'm very passionate. But I do think that a lot of times people saying they like the mechanics better, I think that's kind of a, a little bit of a... a a chest thumping kind of I'm a cool metal dude kind of claim yeah. <laughs> um, because the quality is just not there. Just, just because you yeah. play something faster doesn't mean that it's better. Um, but I just, I just like the four horsemen because they, they, it's an epic song. It's the first like epic Metallica song track two. Yeah. I mean, you get a good point. Yeah. It's it, like, there's even that part in the middle where it slows down and goes all melodic and stuff that isn't in the, uh, mechanics compared to this one. Yeah. I mean, it, isn't there like three minutes of this that doesn't exist in the mechanics? <laughs> yeah. I don't think any, I don't think any of the, I think just the first breakdown in the song exists in the mechanics. I think the other parts Yeah, might be wrong though. I don't remember. Anyway, like, <laughs> me- yeah, I know the Metallica yeah. version very well. I don't know the Megadeth <laughs> version that well. That's the thing, like, I feel like The Four Horsemen is the first, like, look at where the band was going to go Yeah. Uh, compared to where they were at the time. So I'd say this is the closest song on here to something from Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you get Motor Breath, which is a fun, up-tempo ripper, and, you know, Jump in the Fire is super catchy, too. Yeah. Like that... It makes me laugh that, you know, that they don't like Escape. Like, the band doesn't like Escape for being quote-unquote commercial. But, like, you know, Jump in the Fire is just as catchy. You know, it has that fun, almost party metal kind of vibe going on there. Like, even yeah. though it does have, like, that darker, seedier edge to it, it still has that... Yeah, the overall vibe of the song does kind of stand out as a Metallica song because I don't they I don't think they did another song that sounds quite like Jump in the Fire. It's very and that's another Mustaine riff, isn't it? Isn't that riff um, a Mustaine riff? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's that's a good question to 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 post here because you know a lot of people like to point out that Dave Mustaine wrote 
well, they say that he wrote all of this album, which he didn't. He co-wrote like four songs. But the yeah. question is, um, because we're, I, th- I don't think you'll ever really know because I don't think anyone will ever be completely honest. And if you, and if you'll think somebody's not being honest, but what do you do? What do you think, knowing what you know about Megadeth and Metallica, do, when it comes to being a co-writer, do you think Dave Mustaine in those particular songs was like the main songwriter? Does it feel mm. to you like they may be fully his songs, except for maybe some tweaks? Yeah, I I never like save from perhaps a few moments in some of the solos. I don't really get a Megadeth vibe from a lot of this album. To yeah. be honest, to me, it it does sound like Metallica. Um, obviously, they're both you know cut from the same kind of cloth they're from the same area making the same kind of music but like with just different flavors to it and early on there's a lot of you know there's a lot of similarities between metallica and megadeth's first albums but to me this album does feel uniquely metallica despite the mustaine co-writes yeah i've I've always i've always thought just knowing the metallica discography so well and knowing the songwriting that would end up happening primarily from James I I just you hear what they did later and I'm like they didn't really need Dave and I'm 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 assuming Dave was just some riffs um yeah maybe a couple riffs put together so maybe the skeleton of a song or the main part of a song um but I really do feel like as much as Dave is a really talented guy and I love Megadeth I just yeah. I think that his talent was not it's not the same kind of thing. And so not, yeah, so on, on top of all that, it doesn't actually matter to me who wrote what, because, you know, they, they clearly moved on from that and did other shit that I and other people love. But it's an yeah. interesting conversation to have just because so many people love to chime in about the Dave Mustaine thing. Um, but to me, it feels like his contributions um, weren't as huge as everyone claims that they are, to me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, to me as well, like for the people that turn around and say, uh, Dave Mustaine should have stayed in Metallica, you know, they shouldn't have kicked him out, right? The thing that baffles me about this is you would end up with less music if that was the case because there wouldn't be two bands to put out two bands worth of music. So it's like, do you think Metallica could have done, say, Ride the Lightning better? And would you rather sacrifice, you know, Rust in Peace Peace sells all those great Megadeth albums, so you could have a marginally better classic Metallica album. Like for me, the logic doesn't hold yeah. up when these people. Yeah. Pl- yeah. yeah. Plus, I I don't really think in in different ways. I don't think Megadeth could have done Master of Puppets. I'm not saying they couldn't yeah. have played it. I just don't think that was in them to write that. And then yeah, for damn sure, Metallica could not have done Rust in Peace. And to be completely honest, I don't. As much as Metallica is my favorite band of all time, I don't want to live in a world where Rust in Peace doesn't exist. So, so exactly, I'm yeah. perfectly <laughs> fine with how things uh, worked out. Totally, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, moving over though to uh, to a Cliff Burton spotlight. Ah, yeah, the major we- rager on the four string motherfucker. <laughs> Wow. 
Oh, man. Like, the dude was a fucking alien. The the dude got sounds out of that bass that nobody had heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an- anesthesia pulling teeth. Oh, anesthesia pulling teeth. Uh, <laughs> was, our, was our first look at, at how badass a motherfucker Cliff was on his bass. Yeah. Like, the dude... The dude played it like it was a lead guitar. And Somewhere on YouTube, there's actually a recording of him and his previous band doing a bass solo that contains elements that would end up in yeah. this. And so he, like, from the beginning, I think everyone saw that he was fucking badass and like, oh, yeah, you, you want to take a minute to do a solo? Please. <laughs> Please do. Is, is, is that the same footage? I can't remember if I'm remembering this wrong, but isn't that the same footage where he's in a band with Jim Martin, who was... Uh, I don't know actually. I I like I, high, I, I mean I knew they were thing. friends, but I don't no, I think it was I think it was um what was the band that they poached him from? Like why can't I remember was it trauma? Was that what they were trauma. called? Trauma. I think yeah. that was it. But um even even then it's like the dude was super talented and very unique. I mean, honestly, can you think of another bass solo recorded on an album that and if there is one, one that you would not skip? <laughs> <What she explained>. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah now i come to think of it i mean i can think of like little bass moments but like a whole ass yeah. track solo that no i mean there's a cool little no. bass thing is it on the first sabbath or second sabbath album where it goes into that beginning of the song where it's just geezer on the bass that's uh, pretty fucking NIB. sweet and i be yeah but it's it's not that long so it's not that yeah. big a deal this is a full-on three minute or whatever track uh, mostly just bass, so I don't know. I love it's, when it's still, it's still fucking cool today. Yeah, I love how it goes from like full on, you know, classical composition levels at the start, and then Lars comes in with the drums, and it's just like a full on party going on. Yeah, and it's yeah, oh, it's, that always struck me as so badass, and um, and that leads know, us it's, into. It's, I was, going, I, was le- I was leading you into the next, yeah. <laughs> which is like, this is probably my favorite song on the album, just because it's like the ultimate, like crank that shit up song on this album where I just like, it just, it's, it, it always gives me a little bit of like goosebumps every time. Cause it's, it's just so fucking good. Yeah. Whiplash single-handedly taught me how to tremolo pick on guitar, ah. which is a, which is a defining characteristic of thrash metal. Yeah. But like starting out like the this is the very first song I really wanted to learn on guitar. I mean, I only ever got up to like the rhythm parts. I never learned the solos and stuff cuz drums is my main thing, but like I can play this on, you know, rhythm guitar and it's just such a fun fucking song. And it's yeah. the fact that you can like fist bump in the air yeah. while you're doing <laughs> the riff cuz it's only so need one, simple. one string for some of it, yeah. Yeah, uh, and just those, like, like the footage, I think, of, like, the, the Stone gig uh-huh. that they played, or what, uh, I can't remember what it is, like, the Metro or something. On Cliff Amal? On uh, yes, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you can see, like, a 20-year-old James Hetfield just, like, riling the crowd up, but he's, like, still trim-picking that, yep. um, that string, and everybody's just going nuts, but, like, Whiplash to me, I think they they did themselves a favor too by playing. I mean, it's it's obviously a a fast song on the album, but they played it at a tempo where it's not too hard to play it even faster live. So like yeah. when you look at when you look at footage from like live shit binge and purge where they're going absolutely fucking wild, like at least 
20 BPM faster than its original yeah. speed. It's like, whoa, these dudes are fucking tearing it up. Honestly, in some cases, I hate it when bands play songs faster because it takes it takes some yeah. of the, the power out of the song, especially when they do the four horsemen and that middle part is so sped up. I'm just like, you can't even, the little nuances in the, in the, in the picking just aren't there anymore. And it's like, it's not impressive to me. I would rather hear the, the crunchiness in the, in the riff than than see how fast somebody can play it. But, um, I'm, I'm getting, you know, Lars gets very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For me, I I think I would be inclined to agree. But like if if a song's charm is that it's fast, I'm like, hell yeah, crank yeah. that fucker up. But if it, if it's like a more of a mid tempo song, like Four Horsemen, for example, yeah, I I do agree that it it does take some of the uh, some of the oomph away from it. I do if, I do if, love the binge and purge version just because I like Jason doing vocals. I just his yeah. his energy has always just been this thing that I've always loved. Um, so we'll, we'll get, we'll probably talk more about Jason cause this is not, uh, his album at all. Also, I know it's kind of a show offy thing, but I still love when during the breakdown of four horsemen, Lars has to run to the other side of oh, the stage during yeah. the, during the San Diego Have show. Have you seen that video that somebody edited together where he runs <laughs> and then when he runs <laughs> he, back, it's like 40 years later or, or yeah. 20 years later. <laughs> I love yeah. that. It's, and it gets, that has like the Forrest Gump thing in it too. Yeah. That's just so fucking clever. But it's also like kind of cool. It's just like, yeah, he's 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 20 years down the line or 30 years. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, he's still a little dude running around when he's not, when he doesn't have anything better to do. <laughs> he's yeah. like, I'm not playing right now. I'm going to take off. <laughs> it's like that story you hear of a, uh, of Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden where he wasn't playing in some portion of the song. And so he went to the pool. Like he yeah. literally left his drum kit and went to the pool at the venue and swam just in time to get out and come back for his part to start again. That's amazing. <laughs> we got to do Maiden for sure. At some point. Yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, we will, yeah. will do Maiden at some point. Yeah. That's a, that's a certainty for yeah. sure. All right, go, yeah. keep keep going. We're, we're 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 setting this up to be a long one again already. Cool. Uh, so Phantom Lord to me is just mm-hmm. excellent early eighties metal. You know, um, no yeah. remorse. No remorse is a contender for quite possibly my favorite song on the album too. You know, um, it's just killer riff after killer riff. Every part in that song I just fucking love. Um, and like that the, was an early riffle- guitar song for me. It was a, yeah. learning how to play guitar. No remorse was an early one I learned. Yeah, for, for me as well. Like the the riff and the little accents in the riff always struck me as like so sassy. Like it's just those those little nuances that just got to be. It's got to be the first time anyone's used the word sassy to refer to that song. Oh man, uh, and then you get Seek and Destroy, which is a Stone Cold fucking classic, and yeah, usually yeah. gets extended by about, well, it, at least it used to. It used to get extended by about like twenty minutes when James would walk into the crowd, and, <laughs> just and so get, he could drink a beer members. while he was singing. Yeah, yeah, I I love the. There's one where like people keep shouting random shit into the mic, and and yeah. he's just losing his losing his shit laughing. I think it's it's 
there's one in like South America where he says something like, but I wanted my bacon or something like that instead of <laughs> seek and destroy. He just cracks up. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of the songs. I may have mentioned it last time, but there or some on other on some other pod episode we did. But there are a few songs that um, I, I'd be okay if they didn't play them live anymore. And seek and destroy is one of them. Like I, it's fun and all, but I've 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 done the seek and destroy sing along enough times. And I would like them to fit in songs I haven't heard them play, even if they're new ones. I'll take new ones. That's fine. But I also understand, I think we talked about this, where every Metallica show is probably somebody's first Metallica show, and they know that. So you got to have Inner Sandman. You got to have, you know, uh, Seek and Destroy. So I I get it, but it is a song where I'm like, yeah, it doesn't have the same uh, feeling as it did the first time for me. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, though, here's a song that I feel the same about as the as the day I heard it with Metal Militia. They Mm. couldn't have picked a better fucking closer because this thing is furious. You know, I love this song. And, you know, I knew Whiplash from, you know, Guitar Hero Metallica because like I what a perfect thing to come in on for me at 11 years old. Metallica had their own guitar hero. So I was like, well. They have their own game. This is going to be my favorite band. I love this, but Metal Militia isn't on it. Whiplash is, but um, they kind of picked like the greatest hits sure. from each album. Yeah. Uh, as much as I would love for all of their catalog to have been in the game, but um, when I first heard Metal Militia, I was like, "Whoa, this is even faster and more technical than Whiplash." I, I like have have my mind blown, mm-hmm. and you know. I know now that there are far harder, more technical things out there. But at the time, as a newcomer, you know, stacking this next to Do Hast by Ramstein, which is where I came in on metal with, I was thinking, this is fucking next level. This, my, color my mind blown, dude. I, I, (laughs) I I was, I was absolutely floored by it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Metal Militia awesome closer and i love that like evil marching troop sound at the end yeah with like so cool but yeah this album kicks ass and yeah it, it kills them all every time agreed agreed it's a, it's an absolute fucking classic so um I, I i say this a lot and i'll i'll say it again on this episode that i when i do my ranking i try my best to find the middle ground between how I feel about the albums and my favorite albums, and then objectively looking at them on their own merit, what they accomplished, where they fit in in their catalog, and and all those things. And so um, I actually had to, to put at number five one that I would probably put in my top three, but I, I, wow. I thought about it and I'm like, it's got to go at number five. Uh, just because it makes sense to me. So my number five is And Justice For All, um, which it hurts me even just saying that because wow. it's, <laughs> it's a fantastic album. And my introduction to Metallica was the song one. Um, and then eventually when I got into the band in 91, like really into them, and I went, I think the second album I bought after uh, the Black Album was Ride the Lightning, and then after Ride the Lightning, I bought Injustice for All. And cool. um, I, lo- I love Injustice for All. It is, to me, it's fucking perfect. And 
Yeah. The the I mean, I'll address the elephant in the room. Yeah, I understand the bass can't really be heard. I, I, I understand that. Occasionally, if you're listening in the right headphones, I have some Beats headphones. You can sometimes make out some little things, but yeah. nothing that's nothing that really stands out. It's it's the occasional it's, little it's, like yeah, it's like the it's occasional buried. little one we, of them. Yeah, but the thing is, is that's it's never bothered me. The first time I listened to the album, it didn't bother me. I thought the sound was really unique. I was like, I love how this just sounds like it's punching me in the face. This album. It doesn't need yeah. like the ba- the low end is turned way up on the guitars anyway. It seems and so um, anyway, just getting that aside, I, it doesn't bother me. The fact that they released the big old box set and they didn't remix it that made me happy because I'm just like it, I, fuck you to those people that just that, <laughs> that's their that's their critique. Um, yes, and I'm saying that 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 is a criticism that I think is ridiculous and dumb because there are plenty of albums we talked about Slayer albums where you can't hear the bass and nobody says shit about it uh, because they're not as big of a band as Metallica and everyone likes to throw rocks at the the big wigs you know and that's yeah. that's what happens with Metallica unfortunately but and Justice for All reason why it's at number five for me is because I while it is a progression in some ways from master of puppets in other ways it doesn't deliver in the same way like it's almost like there was a um i don't know how to explain it there the 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 progression from ride the lightning to master of puppets it's almost like the scope of their sound and compositions was widened huge like there were no limits to where Metallica could go. And then in Justice for All, it doesn't feel as limitless. It just feels it, it's very technical and very impressive in the way that they threw together these songs. And I think that every song is kick ass and all of them have riffs and drum parts that I will fucking air play to every fucking time I listen to this album. But I just yeah. feel like it. It's a step up and a little bit to the side, kind of. Like it's almost yeah. like they 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 did one up themselves in one way, but in a lot of other ways, I don't think that they did. Um, maybe the song one is a good example of where they did. I feel like it is. It is continuing on the path. <clears throat> excuse me, the path that <laughs> that Master of Puppets was was on, but. Um, and I, I, as much as I love this album, just thinking about it objectively, I'm just like, well, yeah, it it, uh, it doesn't necessarily um, deliver in the same way that Puppets does. And um, and I can honestly see why some people don't like the album. Like it's when it comes to Master of Puppets, if somebody says, I think that's album, that album's overrated. Once again, I think they're just trying to earn some kind of cool points. It, that's the yeah. dumbest thing I've ever heard. But with Justice, I go, well, I guess I get it. It's it, I don't really want to hang out with anybody that doesn't like Injustice for All. But at the same time, I guess I could see <laughs> there are qualities about it that make it a little bit more of a challenging listen than uh, the previous two albums. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to go on and on because once you get to this album, we'll, we'll get way more in depth. But um, I ended up putting it at number five just because the the positives about it, not just with me, but with the world of metal and, and everything around it. This one to me is the least, uh, impactful. 
And so um, I ended up putting Injustice for All at number five. Yeah, I I can see I can see where you're coming from. It feels like obviously I'll I'll get there eventually, but I think the best way to put it is like the production of their first three albums like increased yeah. with each. You know, it, you listen to you know Master of Puppets compared to Ride the Lightning. You know, as, as big as Ride the Lightning sounds, Master of Puppets sounds like huge. Yeah, but it's it's like and Justice for All is so dry it it has like all the air sucked out of it so it's like yeah Yeah. it's 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 more machine like than the more organic sound of their first three i think yeah yeah i think that's i think that yeah that's that's it's a good way to put it but yeah it is but it's still fucking fantastic like i i like i like i said it's probably in my top three it's probably probably really my number three when it comes to albums that i go back to often and i go back to all their albums often but this one a lot just because it's got it's got a vibe that you just can't deny it's just it's it, it just feels urgent and i and i like that about it hell yeah so uh my number four mm-hmm. is the black album whoa yeah uh, this wow. was a, this was a this was a shocker for me too because like while only clocking in at number four, this is probably the album I played the most, seeing as it's more of like an easy listen. Yeah. Uh, it The songs have a more straightforward approach. Uh, I don't have to invest as much attention to appreciate like the full effect of the songs. You know, it's, it's just a bunch of bangers. But God damn, like this, <laughs> this was hard. Like this point onwards. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you know, and enter sound, man. <laughs> like regardless of how much it's been played, I love this song. I will never not want to hear that riff. But like, oh, there's so many other songs on here as well that I love. And it shocks me that I had to put it at four, but the three I put above it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, not. They're there, just that much. I, there's no, there's no arguments here because we're we're in banger central, as you say. Um, we're in the love zone the love zone <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah you know sad but true 30 years on is still one of the heaviest riffs ever yeah like, that's one that time, i never get i don't get tired of that one live just because that yeah. just has i don't know there's such a great energy to that song live that one i'm actually okay with them playing a little bit faster but i love the original tempo of the song here it's funny whenever i've well when i saw it live i think they actually played it slower yeah, they, when, um, I, when I saw them on the Load Tour, I remember them yeah. playing it. And that was when James started to do that, Metallica gives you heavy, baby. And then they would go in yeah. there. And I remember they played it <laughs> real slow, and I was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> that's, a, that's a spicy meatball. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, Holier Than Thou is one of my, has one of my favorite bass moments ever, which is after the solo in the song where everything drops out with the bass and the drums. And yeah. Just, oh, Jason Newstead finally getting, you know, the spotlight he deserved. Um, well, we can, we can oh. get, we'll give him a spotlight here too, man, because um, now that he's been brought up, I got to give my, my two cents because um, everyone's, I think everyone has their opinion and I think mine is, it's not a totally unpopular opinion, but it's bordering on unpopular. But my favorite Metallica bassist is Jason Newstead. Um, right there with you. As much as I love 
Cliff Burton's fucking amazing. And and Rob Trujillo is probably the best bass player they've had, um, technically speaking. But um, I, something about Jason, maybe that's because that's when I came into the band. Um, but also he carries that vibe with him of a fan because he was a fan. Yeah. And it's so, the live energy. Yeah, yeah. And so it always makes me I, – I feel it when I watch him play in, in the live performances yeah. from then. I feel excited because of him because I'm all like, God, that's got to be fucking – like imagine just like being like, oh, you, you're going to be our in our band now. <laughs> and, just, yeah. and all of a sudden you're up in front of thousands of people and it's just uh, – God, it's amazing. But yeah, I, I just love his energy and his playing was like – it wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't flashy. I mean, he got his own bass solos, which I think were pretty damn good also. And he didn't, yeah. he didn't record any of them, but I, I guess, you know, my friend in misery is a, is a begins with a bit of a bass solo, but, um, I just think he's, he's a little bit underappreciated. I think because he didn't really do anything flashy, he was just holding down the groove. And I think that's a really important thing with a lot of bass players. Yeah. I, I also just love the fact that, you know, Every now and again, he would hop on the mic. He was almost like the band's hype man in a way. Yeah, because yeah. like he he would get like the occasional verse to himself, and I, and I love, I love on the Seattle '89 show where he introduces the thing that should not be, and he's yeah. just there like looking at the crowd with this like evil eye stare going on. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "It's a big fat motherfucker called the thing that should not be." Yeah, don't go, oh man. Those so those cool. shows were fucking fun because I don't I don't think the one in the Seattle recording has it, but um, in a lot of the shows they did around that time, at the very end of the show, everyone would change instruments, and Lars yeah. would be the lead vocalist and everything. <laughs> and every time I see footage, of that, I'm like, that is so much fun. It sounds fucking awful, <laughs> but yeah. it's but it was just a lot of fun. But yeah, that 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 was around the time. Like I would say that. That live as a live band, like once they got into well yeah. into the Justice touring cycle, they they were just a fucking badass machine from from then well yeah. into the early nineties for me. Total force to be reckoned with, you know, yeah. and, and still to this day, like oh man. And again, we're still in classic territory. We got Unforgiven. Oh, you know, Metallica yeah. like they'd done ballads in the past, but this one flips the structure around, so it's yeah. got a quiet, uh, loud verse and a quiet chorus. And there's that um, part where it goes, "Unforgiven one," because <laughs> he knew there was going to be two more songs. Oh wait, he didn't say that in the song. Never mind. Let's not let's not rule out a fourth. Here, I'm, I'm all right. But this no, this, this or this original one is so it's one it's up there with my top. It's probably my in my top ten Metallica songs because it is just an amazingly well-written and well-performed everybody everybody on the track sounds amazing in this song yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out there and, and say this the unforgiven is is kirk hammett's most powerful guitar solo it's I'm, a it's a gonna, really good one I, there's one that i do prefer i like more on this album but it's it comes later but um but i do love this one it's just the sheer power behind it, it did, didn't they uh because they they filmed the year and a half in the life of Metallica documentary around making this album. Yeah, um, isn't there a part where like it it documents them uh, 
pushing Kirk to come up with like the best possible notes to put in every single part. So they're kind of like really pushing him to be like, you got to eat, sleep and shit this fucking solo Kirk. Cause yeah. you know, I think that, yeah. I think that it was more just, he, uh, he wasn't entirely focused because if you remember, right, I think three of them were going through divorces or almost getting divorced at the time. Yeah. And I think Kirk ha- was the worst off of all of them. Um, having the yeah. most drama in his life. And so, um, I, cause you listen to like early in, in the year and a half in the life of Metallica, you hear like an earlier version of the solo and I'm like, Oh, that's just, that is not as good. And I don't know if that was just him noodling on an idea or if that was something he had written, but yeah, where it ends up is pretty fucking amazing. And I think that was, I think it's true. It is a song that deserves that kind of solo. Like so you can't For just sure. phone in, a solo on a song like this and in 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 a lot of uh, faster metal and thrash metal you can get away with some widdly widdly widdlies and it sounds really cool but um that's probably why i like kirk so much because kirk is a very soulful guitar player bluesy you know even more so now than he even was then um i I, but um i like that about him i don't need i don't need solos to be super fast i need them to feel meaningful and so that's that's what this one is Hell yeah. It's it's like it's there for a reason rather than it's there because they needed one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um oh man. And then we get to wherever I may roam, which is another, one of the another yeah, another top three. ten for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well this great, is great. This song. is like oh, this one's a top three Metallica songs for me, because oh, like the everything down to the intro, the only criticism I have about this song is that in the video they cut out my favorite fucking part of the song, which yeah, is the like that bit there. Yeah, every time, without fail. And it's and it's still like a six-minute-long video anyway. Yeah, just left it in. Like that's the thing. I love this song so goddamn much. But then it it. Funnily enough, like this is my favorite song on the album, and then immediately after it with "Don't Tread on Me" is like probably my least favorite on the album. Same, same here. It's my least favorite. the th- The thing is, I find with it like I love the riff, but it if if any of the songs on here were going to be dubbed filler, which I don't think it is, because I love the whole running order of the album, but like. If I'm going to skip any of them, if I'm in a hurry going somewhere, this would be the song. Yeah. But then compare that to Through the Never, like, Through the Never is, like, one of the closest things to a thrash song on this album next to, you know, Holier Than Thou with that... Don't forget about Struggle Within. Oh, true. We'll get to it, but... We will, we will. damn. I love the halftime feel in the verses of Through the Never, like where it drops back and it's like that riff is so cool. First time I heard it, I was like, I'm sitting right fucking down, looking at the tabs and learning this. Yeah, this was like this was when I remember when I first heard the album, that was the standout song for me. Like that was the one that I went back to and listened again because I just loved the riffs on that song. Yeah, man, so so fucking cool. And then you get Nothing Else Matters, which is a classic ballad at this point, not yeah. only in metal, but in music in general. Like, I remember 
the first time I noticed this was a Metallica song, like I didn't know it was a Metallica song. It's like, you know, an eight year old, but I would hear it in the house uh, every now and again on like the radio. And then like years later, I'm listening to this album. Uh, first time I ever listened through the Black Album, I was like, holy shit, Metallica did this? You know? <laughs> I was like, I've heard this one before. That And, you know, obviously I'd heard an, I'd heard a E minor arpeggio before, but I knew it, I'd heard the this specific... I guess like, for the most part, for the majority of the song, you if you didn't know better, you wouldn't know it was Metallica. But then, thankfully, James gives you a yeah! <laughs> yeah. Going into the solo. <laughs> so it's like, oh, there it is. There's Metallica. For sure. And I, I love the video to this song, too, because it's clips from that year and a half documentary. But like every now and again, like even, even through like quite a somber song i still love that they threw in like humorous little things of them like pointing at porno mags and yeah, shit and throwing yeah. throwing darts at kip winger and shit like that yeah <laughs> you know? i don't uh, yeah I, I almost feel like they probably were trying their best to not go the route a lot of other bands went where it's like show how hard it is on tour in this yeah in this video <laughs> where we're where we all we all look very tired um, which I guess yeah. eventually they did do like an on tour video, but even then they still they still steered clear of the cliches of of uh, life is hard on the road. Yeah, they just kicked ass the whole time. Yeah, uh, of Wolf and Man, kick ass song. Yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah, um, God that failed. It's like slow, heavy track dealing with James's struggles with his like parents' religious beliefs, and you know that led to the death of his mother and things like that yeah great, like great that, song. that's a that's a powerful um powerful song um i'm thinking that there's 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 a live video i've seen uh where they're playing it and it's relatively recent it's in the last few years i think it's like slaying castle or something and they're playing it and something happens on stage and i i don't know what it is but james turns his head and he starts laughing during while he's singing so it's like, buy your tongue, put the food. Like, yeah. And he probably it's forgot like, the lyrics. I don't know. It, yeah, it's, pre it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny to watch. But uh, My Friend of Misery, this, it, My Friend of Misery was always a dark horse buried like near the end of the album for me. Yeah. Like, God damn, like this song has some killer stuff in it. Um, especially like that that chorus riff yeah that's that's fucking great these this whole the last three songs on this album to me are like really underrated because yeah, i think agreed because i think that so so much attention has been given to the singles off of this album that yeah um this is after all of them are over but i think this is three of the strongest songs on the album like all in a row Agreed. And I'm going to chime in here with a fun little story about Struggle Within. Yeah. Um, I, in my own time, because I am a musician and know how to use uh, Logic Pro and whatnot, I have made an extended version of Struggle Within for myself. <laughs> and it's solely to lengthen the breakdown riff after the solo to, like, 
four goes around instead of just two. Yeah. That's that that right there is my favorite solo on this album, the struggle within solo. I just it's got so much energy to it and it's just it's fun. It's a super fun solo. But then yeah, it does lead into that cool riff. That yeah, it it plays really quickly and then they move on to the last verse. Yeah. I have a feeling I have a feeling that in an earlier version of the song it was longer because I think that when it comes to um, Bob Rock's influence, like that's another thing that people that really don't know what they're talking about like to say is that Bob Rock yeah. st- made them make these kind of songs. And I'm like, I don't, he didn't. I mean, you can clearly see that. And if you listen to demos, they, the songs were already pretty much what they are now, but yeah. um, in certain demos you hear them and you hear things are longer um, like, mm-hmm. like, and usually it's a riff that's played a, a second, you know, number of times. And I have a feeling that in that particular song, originally that was probably longer. And Bob Rock's suggestion was like, yeah, you can cut that off there. And they probably just went cool, whatever, <laughs> you know, Yeah, that was probably one of the <laughs> arguments that was pretty short, but I really do think when it comes to Bob Rock, who in my opinion, did a fabulous job of producing this album. It sounds amazing even today. Um, yeah. but I really think his influence really was just sort of molding what they had into the best thing it, it could possibly be. He was kind of like holding their hand into this kind of uncharted territory of them trying to make more uh, straightforward and um, I guess accessible versions of their music. So, but I mm. still love it. And honestly, it's a, uh, I don't know. Struggle within is a fucking killer. They do. They, they're really good at, at, at ending tracks. Like the last yeah. tracks on Metallica albums are usually, pretty damn good that big ass majestic intro as well with like the marching drums and shit and all those guitar yeah, harmonies yeah. and it, it closes out the same kind of way which is backwards if you didn't know yeah yeah that's so it's so fucking so, cool uh, so you can actually play it you can play i think i remember at one point i think they actually released that part of the song backwards online and you could download it and hear how it actually was played and then they flipped it for the beginning of the wow. of the thing, yeah, because they, they did the same thing with the intro to Blackened, didn't they? Yes, but yeah. that's that's a little bit different. But that's yeah, that's yeah. But yeah, it was flipped backwards. Cool. So that is my that's my number four with the Black Album, dude. Nice. We we're not going to be talking about that album anytime soon for me. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, we, well, I, I'm I'm gonna make this quick because we already talked about this album. My number four is Kill 'Em All. Cool. And um, probably for for my favorites, Kill 'Em All would probably come in at number five uh, because I don't listen to it as much, and it and honestly, it doesn't have as many of the qualities of the other four that I enjoy. Um, but I had to move it up to number four to me just based on the fact that there's an there's an entire subgenre of metal that I love more than any other metal and it started here like you can yeah. make the arguments that you know everyone says well Exodus was already doing stuff like this and I'm like not like this I've heard bonded by blood yeah. okay <laughs> it wasn't quite like this um but whether or not other bands because you, you can hear, you know, parts. There's parts on this album where you clearly hear their influences, but they've they've already kind of got their own direction that they're trying to go. But just the fact that it was the beginning of this 
genre, subgenre of metal that I just love. Um, up to a point, obviously. We've I've talked before about how I don't really like a lot of modern thrash. Most modern thrash, I think, is not very good. But everything up through the mid '90s, you know, thrash wise for me, and um, and then randomly from then on, um, it is the most exciting kind of metal to me. And whether whether this is an album that I listen to a lot or not, it's responsible for so much metal that I love more than anything. And so it, it, I had to put it at number four. So this was the last of their albums that I heard when I got into them. Um, I got in, like I said, black album, and I kind of worked my way backwards in a weird way. But this was the last one that I heard. And I remember, I'm glad that I saved it for last because it was actually a lot of fun to learn this album and learn about this album because it's so exciting. And it's almost just like you're already really into this band and now you get to hear this young, hungry version of them where they were just... I mean, it's who knows how this could have gone. This album, I don't know. It's If it sounds like the kind of album that could easily have been an album that people didn't love until much later, you know, there's those those yeah. underground albums that... People are like, I don't know why people don't talk about this. And it feels like it could have been that. But I think all the all the dominoes, I guess, whatever, were, were lined up exactly where they needed to be for them at the time. And they were just a really great band. And this album is just... It, it, it's, it starts off what I... From album one, one of my favorite qualities about Metallica starts on album one, which is the songs don't sound the same that hit hit the lights doesn't sound like uh, uh the four horsemen four horsemen doesn't yeah. sound like motor breath like they they all have these different qualities that set themselves apart while all being this cohesive beginning of thrash metal album cut to many 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 years later and thrash bands don't do that anymore and i know i harp on about this all the time but it's it just bugs me that like so many albums are released where there is no variety at all it's just a song with different notes. Maybe it's played at a yeah. slightly faster or slightly slower speed, but that's it. You don't give me anything else. And from album number one, Metallica were already a band that could create what I call like a proper album where you're you're taken to different places. And after it's over, you've been on a little journey. It's not just a collection of songs that all sound like the kind, same kind of thing. So... Um, I love that about this, but when it comes, other than that, you said kind of everything that I would want to say about this album. Um, it's super fun. Um, it is, it's not one that I listen to a lot. Um, j- just because like, like there, there's not as much, it's, there's not as much for me to sink my teeth into on this album. Um, so yeah. if I, if I think to myself, I'd like to listen to Metallica, um, I'm probably going to be going for a later album, but, um, it's still a fucking classic, and like I said, it's responsible for so much music that I love, so it had to go num- uh, here at number four with Kill Em All. Awesome. So uh, my number three, now I know it made the top three, but I feel like its placing could ruffle some feathers. <laughs> okay. So this, uh, I'm, ju- I'm just gonna, I'm going to preface it before I say the name of it. This was my favorite Metallica album from the ages of about 13 to 16. 
mostly because it is genuinely awesome, but also <laughs> from the subconscious influence of online opinion, there's that little thing in the back of your head telling you, people say it's the best one. It's got to be the best one. Mm-hmm. But like eventually, as my tastes grew, this one stepped back a couple places. And number three, Master of Puppets. Okay. All right. I So... I'm with you. Yeah, like, for me, this album was my favorite for, like, three straight years. And, you know, I didn't get tired of it. I think this and album still, is every yeah. Metallica fan's favorite at some point. You know? Yeah. It seems natural. I feel like this, this is the ultimate high-standard metal album. From an objective point of view, like, like you say, you try to find a... a a balance between objective and subjective in your ranking. I'm I'm very analytical with the songs, but I am more of a gut instinct kind of guy. With this one though, I have I've tried to pick it apart. There's no fucking flaws on this album. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect length it needs to be. There's all like there isn't anything wrong with any of the tracks on this album. It is flawless yeah yeah but with 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 that i've become so used to it being so flawless with everything it perfects i've come to grow to like the two above it for their flaws in this like weird way but this one here is like the ultimate standard for a metal album if you can get to master of puppets level you're a fucking awesome band you know if you can even hope to replicate some of the qualities that this has good god you you've come across a a a little gold nugget to be completely honest i wish more bands would try like i I feel like nobody tries to nobody swings for the fences in that kind of way with an album anymore it's even the best bands out there uh don't really go for that and i guess i guess it's just with the times but i i agree i agree with you that um, I'm going to go ahead and, and jump in because this is also my number three. So we're 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 locking awesome. in with each other. So th- so, ladies and gentlemen, you do have a, a Metallica ranking where Master of Puppets is not number one at all. Hey, um, but I'm but I'm gonna let you finish. But Beyonce made the ve- best video of all time. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna say I I'm gonna say that every time. There's no way you can say I'm gonna let you finish and then not say the rest <laughs> of that. But um. But I agree. It is the the if somebody would say, "Is there a perfect Metallica album?" I would say it is Master of Puppets. But yeah. um, like you, I put it here at number three for reasons that I will explain later. So, um, so our joint number three. But please go ahead and and do your thing. Cool. So, opens with battery, killer opener, yeah. brutal throughout. You know, even after that ominous acoustic intro, like. Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets are very similar in how they, you know, kind of approach a lot of things and both open with acoustic stuff. But in contrast to the more, you know, classical, yes, I'm now going to play, you know, Adagio in the third major, you know, know, the intro to to Fight Fire with Fire sounds very sophisticated and composed, whereas this one feels a little bit more spaghetti western which i know you know the band were a fan of like little things like that i love the the james mason voice that you just did (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> is that that actor's name that sounds like that? Uh, anyway. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to double check, but oh, man. But yeah, I, I, I got I to admit something interesting that um, I don't think I've ever, I've never talked to anybody about this because honestly, I feel a little bit shameful about it. But um, for some reason, I cannot wrap my head around the correct time signature for battery. I, yeah, I try, I tr- I the that. way the vocals go with the riff and the drums, I always get tripped up. And then sometimes I'll hear it, especially live, and I'll go, oh, that's, that's how you would play it. But then I listen yeah. to it, and for some reason my brain cannot grasp the the ones and twos correctly like i'm on yeah. the wrong beat and then i have to switch to another beat um and i, and I think that that fight fire with fire is one like that for me too where for some reason my yeah. brain can't do it and i feel like i'm not as good of a fan because i can't do it because but it's just it's a weird thing for me and so it's i every time i hear this song i hear it in a different way than i think some people hear it because my brain is on the wrong beat but it's been that way since I first heard it, and so it's, it's 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 just it's almost like a time signature jumping song, even though it's not necessarily intended to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, there's a real misunderstood genius to what Lars and James and Co put together because it's like, isn't there like a big thing about? You know, I know this is in the next song, but it it extends to this too where there's like an inexplicable like half beat yes. in master of puppets or something yeah. that they just do like they don't even think about it's just there yeah th- I feel like they do they do stuff like that and i and i don't feel like they're trying to fuck with people <laughs> i think they yeah. just it's just how the song came out <laughs> oh man like battery though what a what a killer opener yeah it's incredibly satisfying to play on drums as well like that uh, double kick under the da 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 oh, I love playing that song. Oh, man, like, it's just so, it's a mind blower and it's not even like, we haven't even reached the second track yet. <laughs> but like, oh, Battery is a, is a killer opener. Um, Master of Puppets needs no introduction. It, it's often called the perfect metal song. You know, it's got everything little, you need in it. Yeah, I, I feel like if a kid wanted to know, you know, what is metal, I would hand them this song. Yeah. You know, Master of Puppets is it's the gold standard. It's the gold standard. It's it's got the accolade of being the perfect metal song. And I fully support that, you know, and then like right after it, they're like people always like turn around and say, Oh, Metallica sold out on uh, fucking uh, the Black Album because they started writing slower songs, and it's like, bitch, the thing that should not be. <laughs> are you are you having a laugh, dude? Well, like, they, huh. well, I mean, well, I mean, they did. They people uh, yeah. were mad at them for Fade to Black. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's just it's been an ever never ending sea of morons that just feel like. It's like the before the term existed, everyone had to have a hot take, and um, yeah. and so uh, there you go. But man, the thing that should not be is my favorite song on this album. It is yeah, it is massive, and I love it. It's it's so good. I recently got a new stereo in my car, 
and I didn't realize until afterwards that it has an extra bass button. Ooh. And I stuck this on in the car, and I was driving along, and I was like, oh, what's that big blue button? It says extra bass on that fucking thing. Yeah. So I reach over, and I click it, and I feel it go, jug, jug, jug. oh, hello. And, and the then car I, goes um, boom. We like yeah. the cars. The cars that go <laughs> boom. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, what I was going to say is like, there's two <laughs> settings as well. <laughs> like, so like, there's more, there's more to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it said extra base one. So I was like, how far does this thing go? Extra base two. And bearing in mind, I already had it loud. And you know that bit from singles where the car starts to <laughs> yeah. fucking shake and fall apart? I thought, yeah. oh, here we go, dude. Fuck Yeah. You're that uh, you're that jerk that's driving up next to, and ne- nobody can hear what music you're listening to because it just sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or I'm sure inside it sounds great. Oh man, like the thing that should not be is one of those songs that I've grown to appreciate more and more as the years have gone on. Because before, as a kid, I thought this thing's heavy, but I like fast shit. And yeah. now when I hear it, I'm like. That sounds chunky. I I, I want mean, how, more of that. How, yeah, I don't I don't know if Metallica when it comes to the big, you know, when you hold the invisible orange in your hand, I, I don't yeah. think they ever did it better than Hunter of the Shadows is rising. rising! Yeah, <laughs> like it's just so good. It's just you. I, I always picture him singing that over mountaintops and shit and it's yeah. you know the st- storm is coming over his head like i'm just like it just it's so fucking perfectly done one of my favorite things is as well that it, the song only ever seems to get heavier and when you get to the end with that like those final chug riffs at the end are just crushing yeah totally <sighs> Like that's up there with some death metal riffs in in chunkiness <laughs> and heaviness. Because, good lord. Also, didn't Primus do a cover of it that's surprisingly fucking amazing? Yeah. Like yeah. they've they've um, I think it's on like Rhinoplasty or something. It's one of like their compilation ones, EPs. Mm-hmm. Um, that that thing rules. Just hearing like Les Claypool's bass under it as well. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, but then you get Welcome Home sanitarium which funnily <laughs> enough i feel i feel like it should be sanitarium welcome home at this point because no one calls it welcome home everybody calls it sanitarium it's like one of those that's that's fun that's funny now that you mentioned that it, it the, the name of the song is actually welcome home that's yeah. so that's so because i never really think about it that yeah the part that isn't in brackets is welcome home which doesn't sound like it's the name of the song. <laughs> it yeah. It sounds like a different song. Anyway. Uh, it, like I'm saying, like with everything so far is a fantastically yeah. crafted song. Yeah. Um, and the clean passages in it really show off their sense of melody, even at this point. You know, 1986, when, you know, Slayer was doing Rain and Blood, Metallica was doing this, and it just really shows off the scope of thrash that unfortunately a lot of people don't recognize outside of metal because this song is just so amazing yeah and the 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 way it really takes off 
uh, about halfway through with that killer solo and James does the leave me the fuck alone live. Yeah. Like, oh, every, everything so far is five star quality. Um, oh, disposable heroes. Now, yeah, this is a brutal depiction of war. And like, I remember one time we got asked to do for like an English assignment to bring in like, uh, uh, like poetry to, I feel like every metalhead has this story where they're told to (laughs) bring in, bring in something to recite to the class. Yeah. And I did like the, um, you know, barking of machine gun fire and things like that. And I got like, bear in mind, I kind of plagiarized it because we were told, here's a subject, uh, we were given like, uh, you know, World War II, for example, or, you know, things like that. And I drip fed a few of the lines from oh, this song into it. Okay. And I got, I got big marks for the barking of machine gun fire part that was just like, I, and I, I love that I secretly M- Metallica helping people get good grades and they didn't even know it. Yeah. Which is, is so funny because, like, you know, the teachers will turn around and, and say things like, well, they, they would have way back when. A lot of them are more open-minded now, but it, it, in particular English teachers. But um, I just find it so cool that, you know, in, in a genre of music that teachers would have said, that'll rot your brain, you know, and things like that. And it's, you know, for example, I've learned more history from Iron Maiden than I ever did in a classroom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> also, I think because that the, I, way, the way that James writes lyrics most of the time is very poetic and he has a way of crafting the wording to where it just flows really nicely. Yeah. Not every song, but I mean... A good majority of his lyrics feel that way to me. Hell yeah. Like, even Leper Messiah, which is a deep cut that took a while to to kind of grow on me. Like, it's still, being one of many 80s thrash tracks about televangelists, but god damn it. That's what I was going to say. Like, every band probably had one at some point. Yeah. To be be honest, that was a a rising fad around that time that was... It was frightening. It's still frightening today yeah. that it exists. Um, but it's like, uh, but Ke- yeah, it, Kenneth Copeland doing that that fucking blow away the COVID through your TV set thing. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that, it's it still baffles me to this day. So even if people today want to write songs about that, I'm like, please do because it is. Put your hand on the it, TV set. <laughs> just you know, or send me your money as as the, yeah. the suicidal tendencies song goes. <laughs> And then That's I think an Anthrax awesome had Anthrax had make me laugh. That was that was theirs. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's more, but that's all. I, that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> yeah, they, they all got one. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, and then you get Orion, which is, I, I would say, probably their most iconic instrumental, next to Call of yeah. Cthulhu. Um, and it's just it's a real showcase of. You know, it, it. The beautiful thing about Metallica doing instrumentals is like, they're like classical compositions in like how well put together they are, and how each part serves a purpose without saying a single word. You know. Yeah. And that midsection, like my favorite part of the song, is when everything else comes away, 
the do 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 yeah. do 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 and those like really melodic solos come in. Um, my, yeah, my 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 favorite is the one where where Cliff gets a solo in there. Where when I yeah. was younger, I didn't even know that was a bass guitar part. And then later yeah. on, I was like, wait, that's a fucking there's a little bass solo in there, and it sounds awesome. Yeah, like that's just another reason why this album is just so perfect. It's like yeah. they took everything that people loved about Metallica and turned it up to ten on this album. Um, yeah, and then and then finally, while we're on the subject of bass, uh, Damage Inc opens with this like beautiful bass part from cliff and it took me ages to figure out it was a bass because like that's the real genius of cliff is that he can make yeah. it sound like an otherworldly thing um but then the song f- funnily enough for such a you know revered th- quote-unquote thrash album which is you know the whole aesthetic of thrash is i'm fast as fuck boy you know this album actually you know has a remarkable amount of mid-pace to slow moments well so Um, does so does all of their albums except yeah i mean i guess you would say that if you're talking about ratios uh kill them all is the only thrash album yeah (laughs) it's like because every other album like has plenty of mid-paced or slower songs yeah and i i think the cool thing about it though is like this album it's like an amalgamation between like from tracks two to about track seven is an amalgamation of everything, but tracks one and eight. So battery and damage ink are just straight up fucking rippers. And it's, it's kind of thrash metal bread in the master of puppets. It's sandwich. The, it's the thrash sandwich, <laughs> just like the glam sandwich <laughs> yeah. we talked about that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the thrash sandwich. Like it, it's so awesome though like from an objective point of view this album is the most refined and perfect metallica album but there's yeah. a couple above it as they possess a certain flavor that just do it more for me these days but this will never ever drop lower than than number three for me like it it is yeah a fucking perfect slab of awesome and i will love it till my dying day and beyond and that is I, Master I, Puppets. I, I, I agree with you on all that. Like I said, this is also my number three. Um, and, it, and, it, and it is the most perfect Metallica album. Um, so, yeah, it's, if, if this is somebody's number one on their list, I would, I would absolutely agree. Like, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, but it, it's weird because I think the reason why I put it at number three was because I think when it comes to the story of Metallica... This one is a really important album when it comes to the grand scheme of who Metallica are, because this album has grown to be this monster where it's even in the Library of Congress, and yeah. um, it's just revered as this overall classic. But in the story of the trajectory of Metallica and musically where they were going like like you said there's a lot in common with ride the lightning and i would say that this is a better version of ride the lightning a better and more ambitious version um so yes it is better but i really do think that there's a it's almost like they were so good that this album came out a little too easy (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it's like they were just that good that they would just yeah we could do we got this um whereas the albums that are my number two and one 
I feel like they had they took chances that paid off as opposed to yeah. in this case they had things that they knew how to do and they did them way better. So it is the quintessential Metallica album. I won't argue that at all. But um, the next two that I'll be talking about to me are just excite me a little bit more in what they accomplished. Um, but but this is, I mean, it's a fucking perfect album. So th- that's why it's got to be here in the top three. So that brings us to the top two Metallica albums. Now, we, we kind of have an idea for each of us where we're going because we know what's left for our two. But the interesting part will be do we match up with our number ones or not? So uh, let's let's hear what you got for number two. Cool. So if you'd have asked me last year what my favorite Metallica album was, this would be it. But recent developments have dropped it down a spot, and I'm going to have to say... My number two Metallica album is And Justice for All. All right. Justice. And this one was my favorite from age 16 up until very recently when something switched for me. And Mm -hmm. while I know you touched on this, but while I recognize there is no bass in the mix, I heard this album very early in my days of getting into metal so it didn't bother me then and doesn't bother me now. Um, like, hell, I barely even knew what a fucking bass was, let alone the purpose <laughs> of the darn thing. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I was 11. Cover me some slack, people. I'm going to jump into my track by track. Honestly, yeah. like, if they, did, if they did put out their own remixed version that played bass, absolutely that played bass, that, <laughs> that, that boosted the bass... Uh, absolutely, I would be interested in hearing it, and I and if they you know re- released it to buy, I'd buy it. But if they don't, I don't care. Um, th- exactly, th- it doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's like all those "Unjustice for Jason" videos on YouTube. It's like, yeah, it's cool to hear it with bass, but it doesn't sound like a. You know, it's not Jason playing. B. It's cool to hear it, but it it. Again, it doesn't sound like it's in the same space. <laughs> it just sounds yeah. like someone playing bass along to the album. It's it just reminds me of uh, this was a this was a trend that happened like in the eighties and probably I guess in the early nineties too, where you would you would be watching TV and it would be like um, tonight watch Casablanca now in color and it's so like. Yeah, the the, uh, the fucking movie now. That, now, once again, if you listen to a lot of our podcasts, I don't give a shit about old movies. I'm just bringing up black and white movies, and in movies <laughs> like those, I don't think you need them to be color. The fact that they're not color is not what's missing from those movies. It, it doesn't mm. matter. So it's almost just like you're you're catering to what I would consider the lowest <laughs> the lowest common denominator of people. Yeah, where it's just like. The people that care so much about the bass on Injustice for All, I don't even want to hear what they have to say about the album anyway. So it's like, just just move on. Bye, Felicia, as they say. <laughs> for me, like the whole, like really going overboard remastering things is something I saw in the last couple of years that really frightened me was 
the 4K remastered video for Last Christmas by Wham. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's gonna... a Stone Cold classic, though. For, for Christmas music, that's one I have to hear every Christmas. But the problem is I have with it is when they remastered the music video and re-uploaded it. They got rid of the... Andrew Ridgely altogether. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, it, it weirds me out that they've managed to, to make an 80s music video look like it came out today. I don't want it to look like it came out today because yeah. now, now it just looks generic. Now it looks like a bunch of people today dressed like people back then yeah recreating something that was already loved for the reason it's loved because it's it's old now and it has that vibe and people come to it for that vibe you know all right so i gotta i gotta go off on a tangent we're already kind of on a tangent but i i don't know if this is a thing that happens it's over there too but this drives me up the wall you buy a new tv and there's a setting on it that is supposed to smooth everything out and it makes everything look like a soap opera. Even if you're watching a Hollywood movie that's done on film, it does this thing where it fucks up the pit. And and so many people's houses I would go to and they would just have that setting on. I'm just like, this is fucking driving me insane. How can you watch this movie this way? Yeah. It looks like it's, so I don't understand. I, first of all, I don't understand how, everybody in the film industry and TV industry isn't just signing a petition saying, just remove the fucking setting. Yeah. Because it's just, (laughs) to me, if I want to watch something that looks like a soap opera, I'll watch a goddamn soap opera. Yeah. I don't need, I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. That's to be like, ew, it looks like I could reach in and touch them. I don't really care. Yeah. And so that setting always, anytime I've gotten a new TV, I'm like, let me find that goddamn setting so I can turn it off. I'm starting to see movies now that they're like, uh, Watch Back to the Future in 4K. Dude, there was nothing fucking wrong with Back to the Future. I don't care that it looks like it's from the 80s because it's from the fucking 80s, you know? I mean, clearly there's there's an audience out there, I guess, of younger people that want things to to look new even though they're not. I don't quite understand that, but... I don't I mean, care the what same they say. Be said for re- I, that nothing is ever going to fix... Dr. Emmett Brown standing slightly to the right so his foot is in the flame instead of between his legs. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to change that, right? So we might as well just fucking accept that movies movies be old now, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's their charm. Don't take it away. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. But to bring us back on track a bit, I, I feel the same way about remixing and remastering old albums. Like, I... yeah. Like I like I I, I I want them to sound as they sounded when they came out. That's why I like the the remasters that Metallica has put out. They seem pretty faithful to how they originally sounded. Um, yeah. Maybe making minor improvements, which I have no problem with. But I would rather listen to the original mix because um, I I, just, I like the way they sound. They sound the way they sound. And then you yeah. if you don't like it, you go listen to another album. But I guess, but I guess there is there is a large amount of people that I hear say things like, "Oh, I'm gonna wait till they bring out the remastered version." I'm like, "Why would you do that? That's the silliest thing I've ever heard." Yeah. But anyway, it's been out that, for like thirty years. You know? Yeah, it's like, like I, I so I, I but to bring us back on track because we're talking about justice and I, I even the remastered version of that like there's still the the bass isn't very audible, but it doesn't matter. Um, and so I'm happy that they did that. I'm happy that they just said, 
the album is what it is and that's what makes it the album that people love or if they don't yeah. love it I, if somebody doesn't like this album i don't think adding a bass guitar is going to change it you know yeah. <laughs> and if it does then how shallow of a person are you <laughs> you know yeah. so anyway so let's 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 jump into justice for you cool so uh blackened is my favorite metallica song Yes. Hands down. It's black blackened is unfuckwithable in in every way, shape, and form. I honestly don't know what my favorite Metallica song of all time is, but I can tell you that the solo in Blackened is my favorite Kirk Hammett solo. It gives yeah. me chills every time I hear it. It is fucking fabulous. Yeah, it, it's a it's a brilliant song. The breakdown, the riffs, it, all of the like the little inflections and time changes. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're still doing their thrash thing, but they're, you know, flexing their prog muscles pretty early on this, uh, yeah. which they really flex out on the following track with uh, And Justice For All, the title track, is an almost 10-minute opus of a song. They're really showing off their composition and, and time changes and oh, just every little thing in this song. I love the m- melodies and the solos and... The clean parts too. Such a cool song. I, I um, I've heard some people complain that the song is too long, and th- this never, is probably one of it's probably one of the only exceptions where I can actually think of what could be shortened because it because it does go mm-hmm. from doing the version of the riff that goes and then you go to the so it's like it's. It, and there's nothing else happening except for the 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 riffs and the drums. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I guess I could see how that to some people could be like they could have cut that in half and moved into the verse. Um, but other than that, there's I can't think of anything in this song I want I'd want to cut. Like it fucking rules. Yeah. Again, I've sat with it for so long now. To change anything in it would be sacrilege. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Are the Beholder. I believe Are the Beholder is massively underrated. I love yeah. the time changes, the weird jerky moments that like catch you completely off guard. Uh, the chorus is heavy as shit. You know, like ever everything here. You know, one is a classic and. I never get. I don't tired know why I just laughed. I got giddy talking about one. One, one is like, as as a, I, I think Jack Black refers to it as the greatest song ever ever made yeah. or something. <laughs> the greatest song in the world, and I think that was what that was what uh, uh, led them to doing that song tribute about the greatest song in the world. And I think it became yeah. it stemmed from a discussion where they were talking about how one is the greatest song in the world, and I wouldn't disagree. It is fucking fantastic. Hell, it's it, you could argue it's number one. It's fucking perfect. You know, it deserves its title, man. Like, yeah, goddamn. It's the first one. It's the first one I heard, and I just remember hearing that, hearing the fucking machine gun rapid fire. Yeah. Like, it's, like, like the riff. The, the first riff is good. The that was good. But just for some reason, when you get to the later part with the that part, when I was yeah. a kid, I was like, that's fucking cool. Like, I want to hear more <laughs> bands that do kind of shit. Yeah. Like, it, one of my favorite things uh, is the uh, Beavis and Butthead watching it, and they're like, yes, yes, rock, rock, you know, when they get to the machine gun part. Yeah. And, 
Uh, it's just so fucking cool. Once, once again, this is a song that Metallica plays too fast. The this one, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect when it's faster. And I I really wish that they do something about that or don't play it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I just I just think that certain parts of the song do not shine the way that they're supposed to when it's played too fast. Mm. See, I can be yeah, critical can of Metallica. <laughs> See, we're we're not we're not just filleting them for for another That's, two hours. Yeah, yeah, we said yeah. we've said like one or two things that were critical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but man, short straw kicks ass the entire yeah. time it's on. It's just another barrage of of awesome riffs that are put exactly in the right place. Um, Harvester of Sorrow, this super slow grinding song, and that. Gu- clean guitar that was another early thing that i learned because i just thought it was so cool this was one that that grew on me because i think for a long time i i really didn't like it as much but now it's like one of those ones that i i hope i always hear them play it live because i just love yeah it's 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 such a fucking cool song i think it's that's it's a testament to the kind of songs that they were writing because especially on this album they're not all songs that immediately hit you as like great. Like you don't like, there's cool things about them, but there's so much in a lot of the songs that with repeated listens, you kind of really get into. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to raise my hand and say Freight ends of sanity. Most underrated Metallica song. It's a contender. We'll we'll, we'll get to the most underrated Metallica song in my opinion, but that, but this is one of them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm saying it's definitely a content contender, yeah. but I'm gonna throw this out there. This song, hands down, has one particular accolade that I will I'm giving it the Eddie Sparks little accolade badge that it it, it gets to have. It has. It's gonna be. A, it, it has to be. It has to be a gold badge that says absolute tune. On yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it's. It, it possesses Lars Ulrich's best drum fill. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, that is really funny. Now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah. That whole part's fucking cool. Oh, yeah. See, that's the thing. People people shit on Lars, but, you know, play that drum, play that drum part. I know it's not miraculously technical, but play it. It's fucking perfect for that yeah, part. It's great. You know, I've, I play that song solely to get to that part on my drum set. You know, yeah. <laughs> every now and again, I just think I'm I'm really in the mood to just do that one fill. And usually, I'll turn the song off after I've hit it. I'll just be like, okay, next song. I just wanted to get, I wanted to build up and get to it. <laughs> but ah, um, uh, yeah, I I just love it. Um, to live is to die. Is mm-hmm. this sprawling? Proto groove metal instrumental uh, featuring spoken word section as a tribute to Cliff Burton. Uh, the uh, "Cannot the Kingdom of Salvation Take Me Home" part, which is yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, I, I really, I really do like the. My favorite part of the song is the the middle part, but I, I, I love it when everything drops out except the acoustic guitar playing that yeah. part. Um, it's it's really good. I, I think this. The, yeah, I I guess it's, I don't know when it comes to their, their instrumental songs, 
Orion is clearly the best, but I don't know. This might be my number two in their instrumental songs. I like Call of Cthulhu. It's great, but um, I really like this song. And it's it's just that middle part really does it for me. Yeah, it's just like this really cool journey, like along with that you know acoustic kind of intro and how it just blends into the. like and and the solos in it i feel are really tasteful you know yeah considering like you know people always say nowadays are kirk kirk wham it you know people (laughs) you know those memes and shit but like (laughs) it it all feels it's so well thought out uh, and I agree that bit in the middle. Um, yeah, it's just go- it's gorgeous. I, honest, you know? Honestly, like I, I think it's easy to make fun. Of, I mean, I think everyone in the band has something that you can pick out and make fun of them for. And obviously, the wah pedal would be Kirk's. Yeah, but. <laughs> I almost feel like as a fan and liking what Kirk does so much, the wah pedal is like, I, I, I want him to use the wah pedal. It's yeah. like, it's like, <laughs> a, it's like the, it's like the, 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 wa- the watermelon at the end of the Gallagher show. Nobody goes to see Gallagher <laughs> for the jokes. They want him to smash some fucking watermelons. And it's like, sure. Kirk, you're great. But come on, turn on the goddamn wah pedal. That's why we're all here. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't he do that like live performance or something at uh like unveiling of a new pedal or something and he stood on like a giant wah pedal yeah. that was like going back and forth and he was on top of it it was pretty yeah. cool i just um, i mean I, I guess it's it's true it is used a lot but i but you but then but then you could just be like why do these guys use distortion all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a goddamn pedal shut up yeah um but the one of the coolest things to me about this album, you know, as much as I love every little detail about it, I have a cool little thing here about Dyer's Eve. Mm-hmm. Dyer's Eve feels like a mic drop on their thrash era. It's like they left their most brutal and technical achievement till the very end, like this grand finale before stretching out and exploring more accessible sides of their sound but i love how abruptly it ends too like there there's yeah. no like seconds of silence it goes go and then just finishes so, so i have a theory though about that I, I, and maybe if there are probably way bigger metallica fans out there that know the answer to this question but i the way that song ends and you hear james make a, a noise that either sounds like a, a yo or a go or something at the end of it yeah it makes me feel like something else was about to happen and they edited it out. Like maybe yeah. they, cause I think I've heard a version of the song early on where they're the, the, the things were switched around a little bit to where there was a different ending. So I almost feel like yeah. maybe they cut it. It was him doing a go into the next part and that part just got edited out. But I mean, I, I've, I've never, I've never actually heard a version where there was more in the actual recorded version, but it, it, it seems a really weird way to end a song to make a noise at the end of a song. Well, here's the thing I love about how abruptly it ends is that because at this point, this is the fastest, most brutal song they've done. Like yeah. of of all of their songs, Dyer's Eve like stands above the rest as like this fucking titan that yeah. 
you need like the keys to the universe to be able to play as like a young metalhead. So like this is like the the cherry on top of the th- of the tech thrash cake. But like <laughs> you know, it's it's just the way it ends. Da, 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 go. Yeah, it leaves you with this quiet but no less sudden realization that your face has fucking melted off. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and there's this like brief lonely five second period where you kind of collect yourself and you're like you kind of remove the headphones put them down and pick up what is left of your fucking (laughs) face and try and put it back on and figure out what just happened to you but like yeah to to me you know dyer's eve I'd, i'd like to imagine them in like uh uh small venue playing that like as if they weren't the biggest band in fucking thrash at this point um yeah. i'd love to i'd love to see it go and they just walk off stage yeah and um i just i just love that thought you, you have a good point though it does seem like it's the it's the it's the period on the thrash metal uh, yeah period or if, if you could even call it a thrash metal period but it's just it is it is really just like a you know don't forget that we we started this shit, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's almost like um, I, I like to imagine now that you know he was about to say, "Go try and play that, motherfucker." Yeah, <laughs> you <yeah. know? laughs> They they can't even play it themselves. Oh, some, some would say. <laughs> I, I've heard, I've, I think I've heard I heard them play it. Uh, I I didn't see the tour, but I saw footage of the tour from the Saint Anger tour cycle and i think they played dyer's eve at least in some shows and they did a they did a fine job of doing it but it's it's a motherfucker yeah. especially for lars really but you know yeah the, doing that that sort of rapid double kick um and then the the changes in it it's it's a pretty it's a brutal song but it's like yeah it's one that's always sort of just seemed like i don't even like i i, I know how to I, I rudimentarily know how to play it but I've never actually tried like all the way through keeping up with the tempo and everything. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I probably, <laughs> I, I, my arms probably get tired. They get tired just listening to it. Yeah. For me playing it on drums, I just kind of wing it like with the, with like the skank beats and stuff. I just kind of do my best Dave Lombardo impression during like all of the fast parts yeah. and then just frantically try and keep up with like the double bass in the verses. But you know, it was was Lars still on cocaine at this point? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, honestly, I haven't read too much about the, the 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 their their dabblings with drugs. Um, and honestly, just because it doesn't really interest me very much. But I, but yeah. I mean, it would lead me to believe that you know that they were because of the everything about this album, not just the speed of a song like that, but just the songwriting in general. And the yeah. overall structure of things, I'm just like it had to have been like late nights, you know, just saying, seeing how fucking complicated they could make their songs. Yeah, but um, but I get, but it, and it makes sense too because they always talked about like you know they would play a lot of those live, and it was just really daunting, like making it through all those songs live, and I could I could see that being in a band playing every night, you know, yeah. doing some of those songs especially doing justice every night. Cause that's how they, how they, well, they didn't close the show with it, but it was one of the, I guess it was the first closing of the show. Yeah. But, um, 
I love yeah. during the just before we uh, come off of justice. I love that during the uh, or or at the end of the um, Seattle '89 show, and I would imagine for some other shows as well, they did with that um, stage rig. The statue would collapse, and the yeah. light rigging would come apart and swing down and shit like that. And one of my favorite like Metallica clips ever is is Kirk looking over at like the stage rigging that's like come down and he's like that's not fucking safe dude i don't like that you know yeah, yeah that's that that's one of those i mean if you if you look at how it was set up it was all pretty you know once you see it you're like oh, okay i can clearly see where they could all go they they you yeah. know it wasn't it wasn't quite as crazy as like they would get eventually with through the never the shit that yeah. would happen on stage you know don't go don't go near the fucking uh, uh, Tesla thing. <laughs> It'll shock the fuck out of you um, But uh, Tesla coil That's what they call those uh, Anyway um, But that was last episode Talking about the later shit Are you done with justice? Is that is that yeah. have, you give, have you done it justice? Yeah I've, I feel like I've done it justice <laughs> Yeah it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic album And so um, uh, So my number two um, I'm going to announce my number two, and then we're going to figure out if we have locked in on a number one. Is this going to be a, a classic cranked and ranked uh, double oneer? Oh, no, I, just I made think that it up. is. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you're correct. My number two is the Black Album from cool. 1991, and this is uh, obviously for some people it's controversial to put this high up at all, but I. Uh, I, I really do think that like, you know, if you're if you don't if you're not into the black album, I would not consider you a Metallica fan. I I would consider you a fan of a couple of their albums. Not not a yeah. not a fan of the band. Um and agreed. The, I don't really know because I can't go back and redo time, so I don't really know how it would happen. But the way that it did happen was the black album was the album that brought me and a lot of people into Metallica. I probably would have found my way there anyway, but I remember this album coming out and I just remember seeing the video for inner Sandman and just thinking to myself, this is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And, and it was cool in a way that, like I said on the, on the last episode, I think I talked about how um, the one video and song scared me. Whereas even though Inner Sandman has kind of a creepy video and it's about nightmares and stuff, it actually made me feel a little more welcome to the, to the I was like, all right, yeah. this band's not really that scary. This is kind of a fun song. And so I very quickly went to the record store and did not have enough money to buy the album. So I bought the single of Inner nice. Sandman that on the B side had, I think it had Stone Cold Crazy on the B oh, side cool. of the single. And that was how I first got into them. And then as soon as I had money, I went and I bought the black album and the rest is history. But, um, they, this album is responsible for me becoming a huge Metallica fan. And it's, it's probably when it comes to all of their albums, it has the most nostalgia. Cause I was there when it came out. Um, I didn't get to see them on that particular tour. I saw them, years later and the, I think the tour was called the shit hits the sheds tour. I think that was my first yeah. thing, but they came around to my town on the tour in 92 
and I was not old enough. My parents wouldn't let me go, but friends went and, you know, came to school the next day in their t-shirts. And I was just like, you guys fucking suck, man. (laughs) But, um, but this album to me was just like, at the time I was just like, this is so great because it just, it was heavy, but at the same time, like it was, there was something very welcoming about it. I, I don't know what it was that it just sort of drew me in and made me want to go back and listen to all of their stuff. And I still feel that today about this album, even though, yeah, Inner Sandman and Nothing Else Matters are very overplayed, whatever. But, (laughs) um, and I, and I guess there are days where I go, eh, I'd rather not hear this song today. But, um, the rest of the album is, is fucking fantastic. And, and, um, the big thing for me, why I put this album at number two is not just nostalgia. It has to do with the fact that they took a chance with this album. There was no guarantee that this was going to be successful. I know a lot of people like to rewrite history and say that they knew that it was going yeah. to be huge and that Bob Rock had a plan to turn them into a, a sellout band. But <laughs> this is really the opposite of selling out. They could have done a very similar album and made their fans happy, which in some bands like to make the fans happy and that's great, but they didn't. They, I think they probably thought that their real fans would come along with them in this new direction they would be going. And I just love the fact that they took this chance, but not only did they take the chance, they took a, a lot of time and money into making the perfect version of this that they could make. And it paid off for them way more than they would have even imagined. Like the fact that it's an album that still sells hundreds of copies every month or whatever um, here in America anyway, it's pretty crazy. And they accomplished becoming the biggest metal band in the world through this album, reaching everybody around the world and gaining all these new fans. So when it comes to the story of Metallica, this is the biggest album they ever made. It's the most important Metallica album. Is it the most important album when it comes to like, you know, cause you could say kill them all. Very important. It led to into thrash metal master of puppets, really important. They perfected what they were doing and made it a fucking masterpiece black album though in certain ways is its own kind of masterpiece, but it just, it accomplished so much for them in a way that, that, that you can't go. I don't know. I don't hear a band trying to sell out in that album. I, I feel, I hear a band that just got kind of bored doing shit. They already knew how to do really well and said, let's try something else and see how it goes. And they did. Yeah. And so I hear that I hear an ambitious band, even though you would not, necessarily call this an ambitious album i that's all i hear is ambition in this of them trying to top themselves and make the biggest thing that they could possibly make and that's great like that's like that's that doesn't seem like selling out to me and um i'm being nicer to the to the haters in this episode but to be fair if i i just think that the sellout argument just shows that not only do you know very little about music you know very little about being in a band. Um, and yeah. it doesn't mean that if you're not in a band, your opinion doesn't matter. I just think that there are certain things where you just don't talk about shit that you don't know anything about. Like, yeah. you don't know that they sold out. You just think that they did. And so that kind of shit 
it bums me out people's attitudes towards not just Metallica, but music and things in general. There's a whole lot of, of, uh, generalizations that are presented as facts. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that not, it doesn't just stop at music. It stop. it's, it goes everywhere and it really annoys me. Um, I don't know. And I, I'm not, my, my brain's going to different <laughs> places. I don't know. You did, you didn't see this, but cause I got, I, I have a, I have a, uh, a system in place where, um, people who are coming to my channel just to be assholes, they, their shit gets removed. Um, I know you, a lot of people could make a f- fucking free speech argument, but you know what? These assholes have plenty of other places on the internet to run their mouths. The, my place is not about that. Yeah. And so, so there was a guy that place com- for positivity. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or if there's negativity, there's a way to present that in a thoughtful way. If yeah. you have an if you have an opinion that you don't like something, there's a way to present it where you don't come off like an asshole. But this has nothing. This has really nothing to do with Metallica. This comment that I removed, this this guy commented, and his comment was squ- squarely based solely on the fact that I asked homophobes not to listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so he said to me, he said in his comment that. Um, my, what did you, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me phrase it correctly here. Cause I don't know. I deleted it, but he said, um, my conformist slash leftist views do not make me rebellious. And then he wrote grow up <laughs> and I'm like, so at first I thought, <laughs> what is he talking about? And the only thing that he could be talking about is the fact that I, so literally he got butt hurt that I don't want homophobes to listen to our podcast and he decided to comment on it. And it's funny that he thinks, um, not hating people is being conformist. (laughs) That's the funniest thing. So, so I hid that dude. So if you're out there, sir, you can probably still listen to this, but guess what? Your comments are not going to be seen because I, I literally have no time for that bullshit, but I find it a fascinating that people like that exists. Yeah. It, It just blows my mind. How many people out there, are so up their own asses yeah. that they they can't they can't control themselves. And anyway, so that but that that happens with a lot of Metallica haters. That's that was kind of my way of coming back around because I do think that it's not just Metallica. There's other things too. That just people are just I, I don't it's I don't know why everyone feels like they got to have some sort of angry retort to things, yeah. but um. It's pretty depressing. It makes me feel sad about humans in general because I see that much more than I see people propping each other up, which yeah. is what I feel we should be doing here. Um, so um, anyway, not to give that dude a lot of time, but I just found that fucking funny that uh, that, that was the one thing out of the out of the two and a half hour episode. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think like, you know, that there's, there's things you can kind of be like... It, Everyone can be like that contrarian douche from time to time, but pe- yeah. certain types of people's right to be happy is not one of those things. So, I absolutely agree, one hundred percent. You know, if if you're a fucking homophobe, a racist, or just a just a douchebag, fuck you. <laughs> a that's, bigot that's, in general. 
Yeah, a bigot in general. Yeah. There we go. You, you've heard it from Eddie Sparks, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it, it blows my mind. But we, we, let's get back on track because we, we were talking about the Black Album because it's my number two. I don't really have a lot more to add. We talked about this album. It's fantastic. It really did a lot for Metallica. So I had to put it here at number two. But um, I have arguments for why my number one is my number one, which we've we've we know now. We now know that this is a joint number one for Cranked and Ranked. Um, I'm just going to let you take it away, sir. Cool. So in a beautifully full circle moment, my first love, (laughs) my first love Metallica album has prevailed over all others 10 years later. So this was the first Metallica album I heard all the way through. And for about a year or two until I was about 13, this was my number one before Master of Puppets overtook it for a while. But fucking hell, like recently I've really delved back into this album. I even made a video on it. I'm gonna make more of those. Um awesome. just on a little bit of a, a little bit of a break right now. I I will be I will be back to uh track of the week and behind the album. That's where I'm taking the channel f- forward now. But uh yeah ride the lightning i went back i listened to it and my god you know it is it is something <laughs> um you know f- yeah. it's the shortest of their albums mm-hmm. but it's also the sweetest so with that i'm a hop in to my track by track fight fire with fire retains the thrash but ups the maturity by a country mile uh I, this is next to Blackened and Wherever I May Roam, a favorite Metallica song of mine, Creeping Death as well. I could Mm -hmm. say confidently those are my, those are my top four. Um, But that, Ride the Lightning, underrated killer song, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, iconic bass moments have etched this album into the mind's of all metalheads generations past and generations to come fade to black is their first foray into ballad territory but nonetheless does it have that kick-ass power to it and a killer solo at the end of it trapped under ice i still feel fucking robbed that they didn't play this at the antarctica show um (laughs) yeah but you know it's it's a fucking amazing song uh, Escape is the most straightforward, catchy '80s metal song on here. Probably the most straight. That's my straightforward. That's yeah. my contender for most underrated Metallica song right there is Escape, because I think it's fucking great. Yeah, and it and and in the grand scheme of the album, I like where it fits in, and I like the fact that it does have. Uh, you know the 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 major key shit in it, yeah. Which is interesting because the verses aren't in a major key; the choruses are. Yeah. So it's a switch from a minor to a major key, and the little drum fills that go. That's that's a thing that that Lars didn't do a lot in the in the straightforward riff. He just throws in the you know, and everything about that just makes it a song. I'm like, I don't know why anybody hates this, but I I think I have a feeling that it's because Metallica have come out. Or, or members have said they're not too fond of it. Yeah. 
But I think the reason why they weren't fond of it is because I think that was one that was kind of written at the last minute and wasn't really completely fleshed out. Yeah. But, but if that's their last minute kind of song, then that's pretty fucking yeah. great, man. I, th- I think, and, you know, th- this is in the most, you know, in the most appraisal way I can put it, when I say this is the most straightforward, catchy 80s metal song, I feel like this could have easily been a Judas Priest song or maybe even an early Dawkins song with the way it's like, you know, laid out. And I think yeah. that's probably why they don't like it is because yeah. if you put more of like a yeah kind of vocals over the top of it, it would feel like that almost glam territory. But I love it. I love how different yeah. it sounds. And that, that's the thing. I love when a band has like a core sound and then deviates from it slightly so that it has that little extra yeah. flavor to it. Um, but I mean, but it's but it fits in with the album for me because you already have a deviation with Fade to Black. Everyone seems to forget that there's a yeah. slow song on the album. And like that was the one that people were kind of bummed about in the beginning was them doing this thing that sounded like a ballad. Yeah. And so it, 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 it fits in perfectly because you do have these little, once again, like they gave you a, a variety of songs and they're all killer. Yeah. Uh, it's just so awesome looking at all of these songs and loving all of them. But, yeah. um, man, Creeping Death, I get goosebumps to this day at, at the... Die by my head. Like, so... Like I'm thinking about it now, and you and you and, and and when you go see them live, you you know the 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 actual big fans because everybody yells "motherfucker die." Yeah, like, <laughs> that's if you don't yell "motherfucker" in the right spot, I'm all like, you're new here. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I love the uh, like the way they extend it as well with the uh, the bass, and you can hear the bird. This is probably my favorite Metallica song. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. It's it's pretty damn perfect in every way, you know? Um, But like, Call of Cthulhu... Now, the reason this is my my number one uh, Metallica album is that pretty much every song over the years has given me goosebumps at some point. All the other Metallica albums have the odd moment in, you know, every other song, for example... But there's just something about the sheer power of the sound of Ride the Lightning. And Call of Cthulhu, especially that bit at the end, where it does the, like, timpani. Like, that gets me every time. And that is... It's it's the very end of the album too, and I love yeah. that it's just such a grand finale moment. In it ends like a live show, yeah, almost like the way they end that song. Yeah, and and again, it's like you know I've said before, I love a final track to have a kind of credits sequence theme to it, almost like a movie. Yeah, Cre- mm-hmm. creeping death is like the final fight scene, and this is like the credits rolling. Uh, with like uh, the part at the end where it's like, like that bit 
at the end that I just did. I won't repeat it because it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it almost feels like a, especially with Cliff Burton's rising bass parts and stuff, where it all comes to this big crescendo. It's almost like one of those movies that ends where it says the end and then puts yeah, a puts a puts a question mark at the end of it too and it's your, like your 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 description literally makes me think of Flash Gordon. Yeah. Flash <laughs> Gordon ends with The Hero by Queen which has a big old, like you know big a big ending. Yeah. And I think there's even an explosion and then at the very end of it you get that is it over? Because Ming isn't actually dead. He go, have you have you seen Flash Gordon? The a, a the, long time ago, but yeah, I fucking love that movie, and I love the soundtrack to that movie. Yeah. But it that's exactly where the way that the credits <laughs> end with the song. <laughs> oh, that's great! The fucking football fight song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's exactly it. Like I could see the end of Call of Cthulhu being in the credits for Flash Gordon, and then ending the the yeah. That's fucking. That's a good way to put it. Hell yeah. Like what, but, um, a, what a perfect album. But yeah. Yeah. And and that's why it is also my number one, joint number one. Um, and uh, I think I've said this a lot because I've talked on my channel, I've talked about Ride the Lightning a lot. And um, it's okay. I'll, I'll be a little brief. But the big thing for me has always been that this album has the sort of rawness and urgency of, of Kill 'em All but then has their foot into the progressive world that they're heading into with, with where they go with, you know, master and justice and stuff. And I love that middle ground. There's so many bands that they're, that they have albums like this, that I just love because I just like that. I like the fact that it's a band that are already really good, but they haven't blown up huge yet. Yeah. And you just hear it in the songs. And I think that this album, I think probably because it's shorter makes me love it more because it is a, a, a repeat type listen, because it hits all of these marks that I, that I love all the different Metallica marks. Like it's all there in the album. And like I said, they made improvements on master of puppets, but master of puppets would not exist without ride the lightning. Yeah. So ride <laughs> the lightning has to be my number one. Cause it was the first one where, they could have gone the same route that everybody else did. I think that not everybody did it really like the, I guess out of the big four, all of them progressed with their second albums. But, um, theirs was the one that I think that they made kind of the biggest statement right off the bat of, we're not going to do the things that you think that we're going to do. Um, and it, but the funny thing is, is that I don't think that's apparent right at the beginning because if you just base it on "Fight Fire with Fire," that's like one of the most aggressive songs they've ever written. Yeah. But then it goes into "Ride the Lightning," which is more melodic. For whom the bell tolls got has you know mid pace to it, and then fade to black. Like it's like this is a dynamic band, and the dynamics of Metallica are what have kept me a fan forever, because a, a, there are a lot of bands that do have their different dynamics but to me they're not as pronounced as metallica yeah um so and 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 ride the lightning is where that starts and it's and it's my favorite album of all time and, you know obviously my favorite metallica album it's the album i think i've probably listened to maybe more than any other album like i'm trying to think of one that i've listened to more than ride the lightning and i don't think that there is one there are close albums but um, 
yeah, this album is just, you know, it's, it's, it's a good example of the objective and the subjective meeting in the middle for me, because I'm just like, I love this album and it's always my number one, but I, I can't imagine putting another album at number one for them because it just, it, it feels more important than master of puppets, even if it's technically not as good. <laughs> it's a weird way to end it, but I really do think that the importance in the story of Metallica, I think Ride the Lightning, musically speaking, is is the 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 big thing. It's the first big step. And so I love it. And it's my number one, our joint number one. I love it when these things happen. But um, sure. I, had, I, I had a feeling that I don't because I because like like we talked about in the first episode of this, our first episode we ever recorded was Metallica. But technical difficulties made it to where that one never came out to see the light of day. You see how you see how how nice I was about that. I just said technical yeah. difficulties. <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers, but um, <laughs> but um, and so I don't remember what our, your ranking was on the first one. But for some reason, I seem to remember the Black Album being higher than it was this time. I will say, Black Album was higher. Uh, I think it was number two. Yeah. Um, but recent developments have <laughs> led me to revisit, you know, I felt so confident in knowing, you know, albums like, uh, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets that I kind of forgot how great they are. So upon re-listening yeah, yeah. to them, I was, I was like, holy fuck, you know, I listened to these for like six straight years for a reason, you know, Eddie, hello. <laughs> yeah, there, there is that thing where you're able to, and I don't even know what happens in your brain, but you know, you hear, you've heard, you hear Master of Puppets a hundred times and it starts to be this thing where it's like, oh, it's Master of Puppets, I know it. But sometimes you're able to sit down and listen to a song in a way that you haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah. And that's when you really start to go, man, this is fucking phenomenal. Like it's... Yeah. And so much of what they, they've done in their career, to me, when I sit down and really like listen to everything and, and feel all the things, I'm just like, there, there's no band. That's why they're my favorite band. There's no band that I listen to where so many of their songs, I just go, this is, this is as good as it fucking gets. Yeah. Um, and um, this, that, that's why this has been fun. I'm glad we finally got around to doing Metallica. And um, I think that eventually we should do a ranking of all the full-length albums that aren't studio albums. Yeah, that might be that might be fun. Um, you know, live albums and and you know, Garage Inc. and Lulu, all all of the things that we didn't talk about very much all in the these bonus. episodes. Bonus content. Yeah, because I think that would be fun, especially for bigger Metallica fans out there. Um, but yeah, that's that. that that's we did it. We ranked. We ranked Metallica. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I love. That's perfect. I'm glad that you did that at the end here. Um, uh, why do I feel like that's going to be a running joke? Like going forward, it's just going to be. Every- <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish I could get like a just a sample of just the vocal of that part and just play it at the end of it. Yeah. I don't know how to do things like that. I'm not technically savvy. Because um, I've always wanted like 
I, I, I like little, there's little things from songs that I just want to pull out and have to play whenever I want to. Like I've, I've always w- w- wished that my, the ringtone on my phone could be that part from the very end of the song, the next episode by Dr. Dre, when he yeah. goes, smoke weed every day. Every day. And I just want, <laughs> I, I want, I want that to be my ringtone. <laughs> I, <just want, laughs> I just want to be standing in the grocery store. And my pocket goes, smoke weed every day. And I'm like, oh, I gotta get that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's another digression at the end of this, uh, this episode, but yeah, um, so that thank you for listening, uh, peanut butter platypus. For those of you who don't know what that means, who have made it this far, that's a saying um, that you can put in the comments to let us know that you made it to the end of the episode and you are one of the best people in the world. Um, You're the best man in the world. What movie is that from? That's a fucking deep cut right there. Oh shit! I'm that is a song that I plays. It plays. In, it plays in the beginning of the movie The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. Oh, shit. Yeah, I still need to see that one. It's a great one. And uh, anyway, yeah. so uh, peanut butter platypus to all of you that are still listening. And um, those of you, you peanut butter platypuses, the next episodes that you hear will truly show us, I think, who are, are our biggest fans. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I think we're, we're taking, we took a little bit of a turn with DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I feel like this one, even though we're still in the lane of rock music. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this one is also kind of a swerve. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and it's going to be an interesting one. So everybody be prepared for, um, for me anyway, the most interesting couple of episodes that we've ever done. Hell yeah. Um, so hopefully you dig it. I'm not going to say anything else about that just because it's it's going to be it's going to be fun because it could be one of those episodes that comes out and the the, the view count on youtube is like a hundred <laughs> <laughs> or it could surprise me and totally blow up who knows <laughs> but um for this particular one we appreciate you listening to our long-winded metallica discussion i guess there's more long-winded discussions out there there's there's plenty of podcasts that only talk about metallica i i, I heard from somebody on a on a comment that our one of, I don't know if it was one of my Metallica videos or our podcast that was shared on the discord chat for metal up your podcast. Oh, cool. I thought that was, I thought that was kind of cool. I've never really listened to that one. Um, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone listens to that shout shout out to, to metal up your podcast, it it, it seems like a one that people really like. Paul. Um, But that's, that's, uh, that's a little, that's a little inside joke. Of, on, oh. the, on the show <laughs> there you go I, I i really don't listen to very many podcasts as you can tell by how <laughs> shitty of a presenter i am of one but um especially when it comes to wrapping episodes up because we're wrapping it up right now and goodbye no what we're gonna do as we normally do at the end of this episode is we're going to toss it over uh, why, why does toss always sound so sexual um <laughs> we're gonna toss off over to mr eddie sparks to take us out eddie sparks Go. Oh yeah, later, dude.